The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It is Monday and quite a Monday it's going to be. We actually need probably five or six hours today to get through everything, but we're going to give it our best shot in the two hours that we have with you today. Just uh, looking ahead, 3.35 p.m. today, uh, a wonderful woman by the name of Leandra Blades is going to be joining us, and I think you'll love her story. She is exemplifies what we've been talking about for months, if not uh, the almost two years we've been on the air with you. And, and that is, we make a difference starting at the local level. And she has a tremendous story about running for her local school board and actually changing policy there. I think you'll love it. And then at uh, about 4.05 p.m. today, right after the top of the hour, after the 4 o'clock news, weather, and traffic, retired FBI agent Bob Deklinski will be joining us to get his take on the affidavit. Now, remember, on, on Friday, we discussed that. I encouraged uh, many of you to actually read it. And many of you wrote in asking for the PDF version of that. Happy to supply that to you. So hopefully you've had a chance to take a look at it. We'll hear from uh, Bob and you as well, again, in the 4 o'clock hour, uh, to see uh, your impressions of what the affidavit contained and if it gave you any useful new information or not. So all that coming up today on the Mike Douglas Show. Plus, Ed Parco will be in at 5 o'clock after we're off the air today. Uh, he'll be uh, sitting in for uh, Trevor Carey, so look forward to that 5 o'clock hour coming up with Ed Parco as well. All right, the I had not planned on bringing this particular story up at the top today, but right before showtime, I got some new information on it. And it, it I just... The information here that I received was not in uh, the Modesto B story that I read about this. On Saturday, and I wasn't, frankly, I wasn't even aware it was happening this Saturday, but on this Saturday, this past Saturday, as has happened, I think, the past four years or so, uh, a local organization called Straight Pride uh, had scheduled uh, to have an event in front of Planned Parenthood on McHenry Avenue in, uh, in Modesto on, uh, on Saturday. Well, a dust-up occurred because there were counter-protesters there. Uh, the B reporting, uh, the Straight Pride uh, group had about 30-some people, and the people who showed up in opposition to them numbered 125 to 150, quite outnumbered uh, there. So... Uh, as the Modesto B article went on, anyway, there was uh, uh, people were breaking police lines. Uh, things got heated a little bit, and uh, and basically, uh, police uh, basically said uh, we we're, we are we are dispersing the crowd here, and uh, so apparently, uh, LA uh, San Stanislaus County Sheriff's Office. Uh, office personnel 
uh, formed a line pushing counter-protesters uh, counter back. Uh, MPD obviously was there. And uh, But anyway, apparently what happened is uh, someone tried to uh, push through the police line. Uh, it appears that a firework was set off that might have caught a, a bush on fire nearby. Apparently, uh, uh, water bottles, usually what they do is they freeze the water so it'll hurt when it hits. But water bottles were, were thrown, and it... it turned into a uh, a not good situation uh, actually a uh, a violent situation there on McHenry Avenue and so eventually the whole point is that uh, the crowd was uh, dispersed the police said it was an unlawful assembly and um, everyone went elsewhere now i w- want to say up front Again, I was just going to touch on this in case any of you might have been in the area, saw this, or maybe participated as well, give the opportunity to to provide some input. But I received some information right before airtime that I wanted to bring up. Now, let me preface this by saying I believe everybody has First Amendment rights, and if the uh, straight pride folks choose to uh, make a a statement like that in public in front of Planned Parenthood, that's that's their right. And it looks like they had notified police and, and all of that. And uh, I also believe that counter-protesters have their First Amendment rights as well. I don't believe we have the right to incite violence. Anyway, again, as I said, I was just going to mention this to see if any of you had any frame of reference for it. When I got this new information... Turns out, I believe that I think there were three people arrested. I believe they were all from out of town. Now, they weren't all from one side or the other. But what brought this to my attention before showtime today, the opposition apparently was launched and organized by Antifa out of Sacramento. That changes things a little bit in my mind. I I didn't notice that in the Modesto B article. Now, maybe the B didn't know about that. That could be, and I may have missed it. But in my cursory reading, I, I didn't see it. So what, Antifa, Sacramento, on Thursday night, uh, a little after 8 p.m., said they, they, po- they tweeted out, it's almost time. Here's more info on how to counter straight pride, the upcoming... Homophobic, homophobic, anti-abortion hate rally in Modesto. The Antifa tweet said, let's get ready to drown them out and shut them down. No tolerance for hate and bigotry. We'll see you in the streets. And then they had a couple of uh, little posts here. Uh, shut down straight pride, August 27, 11 a.m. Planned Parenthood, Modesto. And then uh, it says uh, about straight pride, this being from Antifa. Straight pride is an anti-LGBTQ plus anti-abortion hate rally that unites hate groups hoping to normalize homophobia and attack abortion rights. One such group, the Proud Boys, are also behind several attacks on LGBTQ plus events. Uh, to be clear, this kind of hateful organizing directly results in violence against our community. 
Straight Pride occurs annually at noon on the last Saturday of August at Modesto Planned Parenthood. This year, we're gathering an hour earlier to reclaim the space and drown out their hate. We can't ignore the growing violence and terror towards the LGBTQ plus community, and neither should you join us. Let's shut it down. All right, the next play uh, page says what to bring. This is Antifa telling their people what to bring. Signs, banners, pride flags, noisemakers, chalk, etc. Water, something with electrolytes, snacks, COVID mask, rainbow pride attire. And then they noticed they noted banned items. They said Modesto City Council has banned certain items during the event. Bring it your own risk. So the banned items they're saying are poles, sticks of any material bigger than such and such a size. Umbrellas, although I did see umbrellas uh, in the videos I was watching. Cardboard signs more than a quarter inch thick and shields. Also prohibited gas masks, bandanas, helmets, and body armor. The police are not allowed to stop you from using items like canes and walkers. Why would you need to bring canes and walkers to a peaceful uh, demonstration? Religious head coverings or COVID masks. Uh, how you can help boost the flyer, promote your me- meetings, organize a carpool, help supply materials, come to f- protest, tell your friends, make plans to show up together. And uh, then they tell about some safety tips, uh, be aware of your surroundings, dress for the heat. And then they have a, a number that you can call. Apparently, if you get in trouble or get arrested, they have a, a legal number. All right. So, again, I was going to mention this in passing until I saw that Antifa Sacramento out of town apparently was behind the organizing of the, uh, of the opposition. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. I have something to talk about to you before we do that. So in uh, three or four minutes, we'll be talking to uh, Melinda, uh, who is the co-founder and director of the Straight Pride Coalition, and we're going to get her perspective on that in just about uh, three or four minutes. Before we do that, are you looking at selling your home? Look, interest rate hikes are slowing home price growth in some areas, but you can still get top dollar for your home right now with Dan Phipps. That's right. If you're worried about leaving money on the table, call the agent I recommend, Dan Phipps. His proprietary system is designed to maximize your sales price and guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value or he'll sell it for free i love it you're in complete control no required costly repairs no long-term contracts you pick your move date matthew and misty and riverbank they know all about it they had a mess with a rental home they were getting less than their payment owing more than they thought they could get in a sale But Dan delivered a miracle, they say, setting a record price for their neighborhood and freeing them. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and he's the only agent to guarantee multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. We'll talk about uh, and with the organizer of that Straight Pride uh, event on Saturday where Antifa showed up and created somewhat of a a violent situation. All that coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. 
on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Monday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Let's get right to it again on Saturday. A a rally by uh, an organization that apparently had uh, done what they needed to do, and they notified uh, uh, the police department, law enforcement authorities, that they were going to uh, have uh, a gathering in front of Planned Parenthood on Saturday. This is uh, straight pride. And uh, then apparently Antifa in Sacramento knew about it and were rallying the troops as early as uh, Thursday. Well, let's find out from the perspective of one of the organizers uh, from the straight pride uh, organization. Melinda, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Uh, So tell us what went down on Saturday from, from your viewpoint or your perspective. Oh, thank you. If you don't mind, I'm going to quickly say the reason I'm calling in is for four years, I've pretty much silently sat by and watched everyone talk about the Straight Pipe Coalition and having no knowledge or no firsthand evidence as to what it was that we began to do. Four years ago, well, let me back up. I've been a pro-life activist since the early 90s, really the 80s. Uh, when I saw Dr. Bernard Nathanson's The Silent Scream at my church downtown First Baptist, they showed it for four consecutive weeks. My husband was a corrections officer, and I was a stay-at-home mom, and we had really no knowledge of what was going on in the unborn uh, world, and especially in the, in the abortuaries. We were convicted. We began to go out every week with our church. And we began to pray, and we prayed, and eventually, probably, learned to sidewalk counsel. So I taught that for several years and was involved there, and eventually we were moved to the front sidewalk where we could not reach the young ladies. So we began to pick up picket signs and protest and um, talk to the women as they were going in and the young girls. As, as young as 11 years old, I've counseled and watched go in with um, no knowledge or consent of their parents. I've been doing this now, you can see, 40 years. So four years ago, someone came to me as I and my husband again had been involved with our church, and we had been picketing, and um, we had been standing outside of and sharing the gospel with people, mostly men, in the Bay Area at um, gay pride proms because they were having them for all of the high schools over there. So we did that for several years. Eventually that came here. And now it's in uh, my grandchildren's uh, classrooms. So being very involved in that, being very concerned, someone called me, Dr. Grenman, he's been doing it for years alongside of me, asked me if I would be involved in getting this together. I put together, again, I was going to start with this, but I'll go back to it. Several times I've put together at Grosseta Park over the many years activities, brought in Congressman Dannemeyer in, I think, 1991 or two, 
and about 70 pastors joined me, and we took over the Grace Ada Park Bowl, and we had a time of prayer for the unborn. We had a time of prayer about this homosexual issue that was coming our way, and I've never had a problem. I've rented that bowl probably three times. When I went to rent the bowl this time, I was told I needed insurance, and I remembered that. So we got that insurance. We got it confirmed, and they said, you'll probably get the park by this afternoon. We'll let you know. Day after day after day put off, and then eventually we find out they called the insurance company. Pardon my French, but they scared the hell out of them, and they threatened them, and they took back the policy, gave us back our money, and ergo, the Straight Pride Coalition did not have a place to meet. So, and, and what we were intending to do at that bull was actually have what we called the celebration of life. It said all lives matter because we understand what's going on in this country. And we wanted to have a celebration, if you will, of heterosexuality, masculinity, femininity, Babies, born and unborn, Western civilization, our beautiful country, and Christianity. That was our message, and that was received as racist. Though the Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, a black uh, man from Southern California, would be uh, the person coming to um, speak, and along with, alongside of my pastor and several others. And that was met with a lot of hatred and a lot of dissent and a lot of lies. All right, Melinda, we've, we have, uh, we have three minutes left. I uh, wanted to give you the opportunity to, Melinda, I was involved with the police. Melinda, the police were watching out for us every moment. <laughs> okay. Not one of us was there during the rioting. None of us. We were all at a prayer meeting. Okay, so on Saturday, you were not there? We were not there until after the police had dispersed everything. We literally walked up as they were pushing everyone back a different direction. They came up. We did a couple of media interviews, and we left immediately and went to Plan B, if you will. Okay, who started? uh, I, I mean, I've seen the videos uh, water bottles being thrown. I'm sorry, who, what? I've seen the videos. Uh, we've seen water bottles being thrown, etc. Did these Antifa yeah, folks none of us start? Were out there during that. Okay, so none of you were but present. They have been out there with us every year. None, none of you were present. It's Antifa. May I? May I finish? It's Antifa. Oh, go ahead. I, I'm. You're breaking up. It's really hard to hear. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. I, okay. I understand. My question is. Who were the, if, if most of them were indeed Antifa, let's just call them the opposition for the sake of argument. Yes. Who, who were they engaging against if you and your group were somewhere else? I'm, I'm, I'm curious about who they uh, were attacking. Uh, yes, yeah. You might, you might go on. There's a young man that showed up. He's been here every year filming it. He filmed about two hours worth. His name is. Uh, something Oreo, real easy to find on YouTube. And they were engaging themselves and the police. 
All right. So what you're saying is none of the uh, of your straight pride group were present at the time that there was the police action. I think they were using beanbag. Correct. Right. Okay. So you correct. were at a you were My at a different took location. A drive by there. Yes. Correct. They were okay. there four hours ahead of us. And I, I noticed the Antifa. Uh, tweet said be there at 11 now that was an hour before your scheduled uh, your scheduled gathering but correct? the police informed me that they were gathering at 9 a.m okay so they were uh, oreo media so they were there at nine o'clock in the morning yes i'm up then okay all right well thank yeah, you for and the- it was not just antifa it was lgbtq about Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Those are the three groups because they specifically sent out information to everyone in my neighborhood warning me that I'm a black, warning them that my husband is a black supremacist. All right, very, no idea. Very good, this Melinda. I've, race I've, I've got to run, but I did want to provide you with the opportunity oh. uh, to tell us your Thank side you. of this, and I appreciate your willingness to do that. Uh, thank, thank you, you for calling much. in. Anyone All right. can see me on, please see me on Facebook, everyone. Thank you. All right, Melinda. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, interesting. Uh, Melinda, one of the organizers, saying we weren't even there. And that wasn't reported in the report i read either interesting more interesting things coming up in five minutes on the mike douglas show here on power talk 1360 kfiv don't go away the mike douglas show now weekdays from three till five on power talk 1360 kfiv he's got issues let's talk about it the mike douglas show on air and online power talk 1360 kfiv and welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation as we take a look at the issues that affect all of us right here in California's Central Valley and beyond. Fascinating interview we're about to have. I have been looking toward, forward to this interview so much. want to welcome to uh, our program uh, Leandro Blades. Uh, Leandra is... Uh, from uh, the uh, Placentia Yorba Linda area. And her story is fascinating. It's what we've been talking about, I think. It's exemplifying what we've been talking about for a long time of how to create change, how to do it within the system, how to, how to keep on keeping on, how to persevere even when you're under attack. And uh, so let's, let's get to it. Leandra Blades, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Leandra, let's, uh, let's approach it from, from this uh, direction here. You saw a problem and then you did some things to help solve the problem. Let's start with the problem. What problem did you see that finally led you to say, I've got to be personally involved here? The problem that I saw was in our school system and what was being brought into our children, um, what was being brought into the classroom, um, and just the absence of learning anymore. Um, school is being used for political purposes. Uh, you know, I would, I used to hear the word indoctrination, you know, maybe five, six years ago. And I thought indoctrination, come on, that's kind of a strong word. 
But as time progressed and as you uh, are more in tune with what's going on in the classroom and especially through COVID, um, listening to the type of lessons and the stuff that's being taught in the classroom, you realize that there is a problem and that our teachers are not necessarily always aligning to district curriculums. And sometimes they're teaching their own personal beliefs, um, their own thoughts on uh, political purposes um, and social justice. Social justice had crept, uh, you know, huge into our school system. Um, You know, not only into our school system, but, you know, across, across the United States, as we found out. And so um, I was approached by a conservative group who asked me if I would run for school board um, and it took me maybe uh, a day to say yes, because I was kind of, uh, you know, surprised that I was asked. But uh, once I learned the issues and I really delved in deep, it only took me 24 hours to hear from parents who were concerned, um, you know, teachers themselves were concerned that said we really need somebody to stand up for us and to bring traditional curriculum and keep the social justice issues out and also to push back against the union who is largely to blame for bringing so much of this toxic uh, subjects and the subject matter into our schools. Um, you know, I agreed to do it. And so I ran for school board in our Placentia or Belinda school district in 2020, and I won the election. This is amazing because it sounds like you had uh, qu- quite a bit of uh, opposition in, in terms of the status yeah. quo. Uh, tell us, how did you react to that? Did, what, what gave you the confidence to persevere, even though you knew you were going to face quite a bit of pushback? You know, it's just about doing the right thing and standing up for what's right. Is it right that the California Teachers Association is saying that uh, police officers are terrorists um, and pushing Black Lives Matter curriculum into our classroom um, and pushing an agenda that has nothing to do with the education of our students? And I believe that parents um, on both sides, they want to see what's best for their children because that's what parents do. Most parents want what's best for their children. They want them to be educated and they want a life that's better than their own. And so that starts with education. And when we we stop educating our kids and when we just bring in nonsense to the classroom, um, parents can see it. And parents on both sides have seen that um, the I guess steering you off the course of traditional curriculum and bringing more politics and social justice and all of these things that the teachers unions are pushing in. And and in fact, Sacramento, where they're pushing in our classrooms, they know there's a problem there. And so I would say it's a concern for not only conservative parents, but um, every parent, no matter what political party um, that you belong to, or no matter what your religious beliefs are, um, it's a problem. And so standing up for kids, and standing up for children is never, is never a wrong thing. And so I, I knew that um, I was standing in truth, and I was going to defend the kids, and I was going to try to um, bring the traditional education and the values um, of what our community wanted and focus more on the kids, focusing more on sports, focusing more on putting money into the kids and not these social justice programs. And I just knew that that would be a winning message. Leandra Blades is our guest. Uh, Leandra, I think you mentioned teachers a, a moment of go, uh, ago. Let's let's talk about that dynamic. So many times, I think we assume it's all one or the other. It, it, it's uh, uh, people trying to stand up for truth against teachers and administration. It sounds like that you found uh, people uh, who who were teachers and others 
who had similar viewpoints as as you did. How how did those arise? How did you get in contact with him? So essentially, I used social media um, for a big part of my campaign, and I came out, and every day I would put on to my website or onto my Facebook page, my Instagram, I would say what I would stand for, um, what I stand against, and what I would do if I was elected. And so that really drew a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of contention from the teachers union. And so still to this day, I am the, the hot topic of the teachers union in the lunchroom, um, in their meetings. And I don't know why. I mean, I'm going to say I do know why, because, uh, you know, their agenda is not being pushed any longer or it's not able to get through with um, myself and my fellow board member, Sean Youngblood. And it's, you know, we expose a lot of the stuff that that's being put into the classroom and a lot of the programs that they're trying to put in. Um, but I, I think because I was big on social media and I went out and I talked to a lot of people and when they found out I was running, they contacted me because I'd been a mom in the school, the school district for a number of years. I have three sons, um, two who still are in our school district. So, you know, I was a room mom. I was a coach, um, soccer coach, baseball coach. I was pretty, uh, you know, I was pretty, out there in our community and so people knew me and I think being approachable and being able to talk about the subjects and so they would call me they would approach me and they'd say you're absolutely right what you're saying this is what the union is saying about you but yes this is happening and we need to stop this and so I said please tell me how to stop this I'm a retired police officer you know and I'm willing to stand in, you know I'm standing fire and I'll do exactly what needs to be done but I need help and I need you to tell me what's going on and how I can do this and how I can help you and how I can help our kids. And so I have, a, I have an army of teachers that are helping me, mm-hmm. helping me do this. And, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been amazing. This, this, our community is amazing. And uh, these teachers, you know, they want traditional curriculum and they want to see the change back um, in our classrooms. Uh, you know, not so much how it used to be because, you know, do you ever get to really go by the path? But maybe the values and the, and the way that things used to be taught when we were kids that, you know, you went in and you were taught science and that's what, that's what it was. It was science. You were taught math and there wasn't social justice in math. There's a lot of teachers who want to see the return to that and would like to see just the politics kept out. And so I'm very, very thankful for the teachers who stood up and the teachers, um, who, you know, who have been very supportive of, of myself. Well, and it sounds, world. it sounds like Leandra, that, that you made yourself very approachable uh, in fact, and, and by the way, yeah. I, I learned about you because of an article in a Bay Area uh, newspaper, you know, which are, uh, I would not characterize Bay Area newspapers usually as conservative at all. Uh, but it was a pretty balanced, uh, pretty balanced narrative. Uh, what I was impressed with is not only did you stand up and you were willing to take the, the political slings and arrows uh, personally for, for standing up what you believed was right, but you got results. Let, let's talk about uh, one of those results that you got as, uh, as a result of your efforts. So um, one of my campaign promises was to ban critical race theory from our school district. And I kind of follow a certain person's lead when I say promises made, promises kept. And so I went in and when I campaigned and I would knock doors and I would talk to people, I would say, this is what my goals are. More transparency in the schools, uh, you know, bring back 
uh, more money into our sports, our athletes, our band, arts, you know, putting money back into kids and banning critical race theory. And there was, I didn't knock very many doors who parents agreed with critical race theory or what was happening. And so I knew that that was going to be something that the community would back and that also two of our board members, Sean Youngblood and Marilyn Anderson, they also um, were campaigning kind of on, on a similar, the same thing. So I got in, um, you know, I was elected. I started sitting in. I wanted to ban it. You know, I said, hey, we need to work on this ban. And it took me about six months to get on the agenda. But, you know, you just have to be persistent and you just have to start demanding it. You know, these are my promises is what my constituents want. And so we finally got it on the agenda. And, uh, you know, a few months ago, we were able to ban it. And I believe we're the only school district in Orange County right now that has banned critical race theory and maybe one of the only ones in the state. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't hard to do because you show parents what is in critical race theory and how much it actually takes away from the curriculum of your children and what it's teaching. And nobody wants that. They want their children to be educated. And so banning that in our district, I think it was a huge sigh of relief from our parents because um, some polls that were taken with 75% of parents in our district did not want critical race theory and did not think it had any place in our district. Um, and so a lot of other districts have reached out and asked for the resolution on the ban of critical race theory. And uh, they're hoping that soon they'll be able to do the same. But I also want people to recognize that a lot of this stuff comes from outside curriculum. If a teacher's not aligning with the district um, approved curriculum and they're bringing things in from YouTube, things from books that are not um, approved, then that's where some of this critical race theory creeps in. So not only do you need to ban critical race theory from being taught in your school, but you also have to closely monitor and make sure that all of these outside sources and all this outside stuff um, that creeps in, including like your online programs that are purchased, uh, you know, during the year uh, from, you know, educational programs, you also have to really make sure that that doesn't have critical race theory in it too, because you can ban it and ban it. But if, but if you as a board are approving stuff that has critical race theory embedded into it, um, you know, it's kind of, the, the ban is kind of no good if, if that stuff creeps in. And so that's another thing that we've had to be very vigilant about is when, uh, when these online programs make it to the agenda, you really have to go in there and you have to research and you have to look really deep to see what is, uh, what is in there and what's being taught. Um, there was one program in particular where it said it looked all fine and dandy, but it was a K through 12 program. And it looked on the front like it could be geared for fourth grade, fourth graders. And it just looked great, sunshine and butterflies. And I looked through into it because something just didn't seem right. And so when I finally went to the blog of this online program, I found how to teach critical race theory and social justice issues in all subjects K through 12. And so, you know, you could teach it in PE. You could teach it in science. You can teach it in a, a mm -hmm. numerous uh, subjects. And so it's very, you know, so parents, school board members, you know, teachers, administrators, you really need to make sure these online programs that we're watching this very closely as well. So this can't further creep in. We're speaking with uh, Leandra Blades. Uh, Leandra, I've got a question for you before I pose it to you, before we let you go. A lot of adjectives are coming to my mind as I'm listening to you. <laughs> Things like uh, well-researched, uh, uh, someone of uh, persistence, perseverance, 
uh, integrity, uh, someone's approachable, someone who bold, is bold, uh, uh, sacrificial, involved, uh, influential, and, and someone who maybe, as the great Ronald Reagan might say, is willing to trust but verify. Uh, a lot of wonderful qualities are popping into my mind about you personally. What message would you give to moms or, or dads, grandmas, grandpas, uncles, aunts, whatever whatever they may be, who are looking at some of the curricula in their uh, school systems and saying that this just doesn't make sense. In fact, it's 180 degrees away from what we're trying to teach at home. What pearl of wisdom would you give them on where to start and why they should persevere through all of it? Well, first of all, I firmly believe that if parents, grandparents, if we don't stand up for our children, nobody else will. So we are the, we're the first line of defense for our children. And so I absolutely believe that being brave and being bold is the first step. And you will get, you know, they'll try to railroad you at certain places and, oh, this isn't in there. But you just have to be very diligent in your research. And you need to go to school board meetings and you need to listen and you need to see what, um, what your school board is bringing in. You need to volunteer in your library. You need to volunteer in the classroom. So not only can you help the teacher, but you can also learn as to what's going on. Um, you need to take an active, active role. And then also, too, you need to get your community together, um, whether that is social media. Um, information is just key in this and keeping everyone informed as to what's going on. Um, that has been huge. There's a huge parent group um, called PYL for Choice in Placentia and Yorba Linda that started after um, my campaign. And it is alive and it is well, five or 600 parents strong. And so when you have a group of five or 600 parents, you almost feel some days like you're unstoppable. Now, when you go up against the union and sometimes, you, you know, you get beat up and, you know, you, you, don't, you don't win all the time. But you know what? We stick together and we stay in it. And I think that that's huge. Community is huge coming together, but you just can't stop. And then you choose your leaders out of there to run for the school board. And know that you're going to be attacked and know that your family might be attacked. And everybody thinks, my gosh, it's just the school board. But you know what? This is, this is where they're going to get our kids. And this is what I mean, we can see it. It's, it's verified. It's all over social media. It's all over the media, what's being taught. So we have to be brave. We have to stand up. We have to research. And we have to say no. And we have to firmly say no. And then when these brave people decide to run for school board, this community needs to back them 100%. And, you know, you inform everyone what's going on. Inform your people, the, the bad school board members, who are allowing this nonsense into the schools. And you remove them. And that's where you affect the change. Um, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, you're attacking the union. You're attacking this. You're attacking this board member. You're attacking. No, I'm not attacking. I am informing. And, you know, and I have truth to back up. You know, revealing what this California Teachers Association has on their website and what they're bringing into our classrooms, that's not attacking, that's informing. Showing a school board member's vote and what they're voting for, that is not attacking, that's informing because this is fact. This is what's happening. And so you just need to be very, very meticulous with your facts, and it's all about information. Um, and, it's, and it's just about bringing the facts to the community so they can, uh, when they vote, you know, they vote the right person in. 
it doesn't matter if, you know, this person's done tons and tons of community service and, you know, they're a saint. If they're voting for critical race theory, if they're voting to have Planned Parenthood in your classrooms or on your campuses, if they're voting this way and it is against what you believe in, then you know what, then you got to vote that person out. And you have to really know what the intentions are. And so that would be my thing is just to really get in, dig deep, know who you're voting into office, and uh, just, yeah, just stay diligent. Just stay diligent and just find the brave people. There's lots of brave people, and there's people who are willing to stand up. And it's so much easier to stand up when you have, a, when you have warriors behind you. It's an amazing thing. And I think our community is just so strong. Absolutely. Preach it, sister. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Uh, Leandra Blades, thank you so much for dropping by, spending your time with us today. I, I know there are a lot of people out there, I am sure, who have been inspired by your story and your words as well. Keep on keeping on. And again, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. What a dynamic Monday. You know, sometimes Mondays, it's a matter of looking what happened over the weekend and the, the news cycle is tends to be somewhat interesting uh, after Friday night. But uh, two very, very interesting interviews today. Number one, uh, Melinda, an organizer with a straight pride group, uh, giving us the information that the members of her group were not there on Saturday at the time that the Antifa folks, and she believes that Black Lives Matter and some other folks were involved as well, at the time they created that violent situation, she is saying her group was somewhere else, that uh, they showed up after the police had uh, dispersed the crowd. That's in- I did not read that in any narrative thus far uh, that I've read about the incident. And then this interview with Leandra Blades, absolutely incredible I think it's what what's inspiring to me is this is what we've been advocating all along. And, and that is to start at the local level at the points that you are passionate about. And as she articulated, be willing to, to take the slings and arrows that may be aimed at you in the process. She mentioned the teachers union there. Uh, they've, they've targeted her, uh, in, in verbally anyway. Just very inspiring. So much appreciate uh, Leandra spending time with us. Coming up in five minutes after news, weather, and traffic, FBI retired FBI agent Bob DeKlinski will be on. We'll talk about that affidavit coming up in five minutes. Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love, talking about the issues that are important to you. The voice of the Valley, The Mike Douglas Show. Now, every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to The Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on this Monday. 
Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation and, and a lot to converse about today. By the way, uh, last half hour of our program, uh, we will open the phones. I know there is a lot to react to, so we want to make sure we give you that opportunity. Before we do that, uh, however, remember remember uh, many years ago, Geraldo Rivera and all the pomp and circumstance and, and the, the, the baiting of breath uh, leading up to his live presence at the opening of, what is it, the Al Capone vault. And when they opened all that up, nothing really there. Uh, I wouldn't say that's an exact corollary to the uh, affidavit uh, related to the warrant that was served at Mar-a-Lago. But we'll have the opportunity to discuss it with you. Again, my recommendation was that you look at the affidavit itself over the weekend, and then a little later on today we'll have the opportunity to discuss that together and uh, whether, (laughs) whether you learned anything new or not. Well, let's uh, let's check in with retired FBI agent Bob Deklinski. Uh, Bob's looked over that affidavit very carefully. Bob, welcome to the show today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Bob, what did uh, what did you learn from that affidavit? Things that jumped out at you? Anything new? Any surprises? Or a nothing burger? What, what what's your sense of it? Well, the first thing is that there's really nothing new that we didn't get from the, uh, you know, from the news media, and it pretty much lumped the lines with that. And secondly, it's all blacked out. Um, so uh, it just it really doesn't tell us anything and nothing new uh, other than the charges. Uh, looks like they uh, loaded up on the charges. Uh, they're trying to throw everything at them but the kitchen sink at this point. Um I think what it comes down to is is how did we get there in the first place? And it really all started with a gal named Deborah Wall, who is uh, with the U.S. Archives. And um, it really goes to her dealing with uh, the Trump team back in April and May uh, when they advised that they were going to notify uh, the Department of Justice. Uh, concerning the box of uh, inventory that they originally got uh, voluntarily from the uh, Trump uh, people. And uh, then that led to uh, the archives informing the Department of Justice uh, concerning what they felt was the discovery of classified material. Unfortunately, uh, uh, this then went to the White House Counsel Office because Trump was claiming executive privilege. And then uh, actually Biden deferred the matter, uh, termination back to a wall uh, for her to decide what they wanted to do. But however, the catch was is that she couldn't do anything without dealing with the attorney general's General's office of legal counsel. And then that's when they told her that uh, Trump couldn't claim uh, executive privilege. Bob, as, as you're looking at this, I'm, I'm curious. I know that you served many a warrant uh, in your career with the FBI. Just out of curiosity, and I, and I know none of them were on a, a former president because this, this is unprecedented, as they say. But just talking about warrants in general and the affidavits needed to back them up, does this, and, and, and I granted, 
as I counted the pages, I think about, I think 67% of the pages are either partially or, or fully redacted. So I understand that in asking this question. But is there this, from what you can see, from what we can see, is there the specificity there that you would normally want to see to support a warrant? Well, yes. Uh, everything is what predicated uh, the affidavit. Apparently, there had to be more people involved in this, uh, especially if you're talking about Secret Service agents or people that are employed with uh, the Trump uh, family out there at uh, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, there's just too much in that black ink that uh, uh, even the president said, let's see the whole thing. And uh, I think we should see it. I don't think anything has been exposed already that uh, hasn't been already told. So put it out there, uh, have some transparency and uh, it, it just make any sense. Bob, as I read it over, and I've read it over several times, here's, and, and maybe give you the opportunity to react to this, Here, here's my sense. I don't think it's going to move the needle uh, for anyone. I think those that that don't like Donald Trump are still going to not like Donald Trump. Those that support Donald Trump are still going to support Donald Trump. And many of us uh, who have questions still have questions unanswered do you do you think that's a, a fair general assessment uh, it goes yes and i think it goes back to hypocrisy i mean you look at uh, hillary clinton who destroyed 30 email thirty thousand emails yet you go back to uh uh to comey uh who said that uh, a reasonable attorney wouldn't have prosecuted her but yeah she had all these uh, you know secret documents and everything on her website uh you go to the Russian gate uh, where agents at the top of the bureau uh, lied uh, about the Pfizer warrants, and it puts a lot of mistrust uh, in people. And so you're right. I don't think it's going to change a needle one bit compared to uh, what's happened in the past. We're talking with uh, retired FBI agent Bob Deklinski. Again, we're looking at the uh, heavily redacted uh, affidavit. Uh, that was released by the federal government uh, to support the warrant that was served at Mar-a-Lago. And friends, we want to offer you the opportunity now uh, to weigh in, uh, offer your observations as well while we have Bob on the phone. Uh, We'd love to get your reactions to that affidavit. What do you think? Anything new to you or did it reinforce things you already thought? Uh, Did it leave you basically saying, yeah, Nothing new here. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. And as you're thinking about that, Bob, right now there's just this angst about federal law enforcement. Added to that, 87,000 new IRS agents uh, that apparently are, are uh, being sworn and armed, etc., if if you were an F, still an FBI agent right now, would you be worrying about the public perception of federal law enforcement in general? Well, yes, because when I was back in the FBI, first of all, we wouldn't have thought about doing this to a former president. And number two, uh, we have precedent of uh, people at the top of the bureau, uh, not your line people or your uh, on-the-ground uh, agents, 
But people at Washington, D.C., at uh, their Washington field office, uh, that's the problem they have. People can't trust them because of that. And uh, and I would be very angry because of what they're doing. Uh, Comey should have been fired like he was. And um, uh, somebody needs to go back into the FBI and Department of Justice at the top and clean house to give uh, credibility back to the FBI. Bob, I think one of the dynamics that we're uh, facing with this is it's, it's hard to penetrate the emotional reaction to all of this. Uh, Donald Trump, one way or the other, evokes emotion. And, and uh, re- regardless of whether it's pro or, or con or somewhere in between, there's a lot of emotion involved. And I think one of the problems that we have not only with the general public but also with the media uh, reaction and interpretations is that that emotion is uh, eclipsing just a willingness to say, can we just look at what we know are facts and just deal with the facts and see if they add up? I think that's a huge mountain uh, to be climbed right now, especially as the media is concerned. Well, very much so. Um, the media, of course, is not trusted. And uh, there was a time when, you know, people just uh, gave the news as it was and didn't try to color uh, any of the facts. So, um, uh, and I, of course, when I was in the FBI, I had to deal with the press. And there were times when, uh, they would deliberately go out and, and, and try to hurt the agency, whether it was an FBI or the IRS or our Department of Justice. Um, they went out after them. And nowadays, um, it's, it's very cutthroat. And, and uh, it's like the uh, Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, look at before the election, uh, they buried the story. And then after uh, Biden was elected, then the Hunter Biden laptop started to come to surface like the New York Times and the, and the Washington Post admitted that they had buried it. So there's no trust for the media. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking with retired FBI agent Bob DeKlinski and about the affidavit that was used to uh, support uh, the warrant that was served at Mar-a-Lago. And we'll continue the conversation and take your phone calls coming up in three minutes. Here on the Mike Douglas Show, our number 209 209- Five five one three four eight three. That's two zero nine five five one three four eight three. And retired FBI agent Bob Deklinski and I will be back with you in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeart Radio app. Search thirteen sixty KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Wrapping our uh, wrapping up rather our discussion with retired FBI agent Bob Deklinski. Been talking about the heavily redacted affidavit uh, that has been uh, allowed uh, to be presented to the American public. And uh, again, Bob, my impression: nothing really new here. Uh, to see what I'm worried about is the damage to the reputation of federal law enforcement, the trust factor that uh, that that really I I think is is eroding in terms of America's trust of an agency that they should be able to trust. Just very briefly, looking down the road, if if you were and this would be a, a great thing, if you were named as the director of the FBI, Bob. What would you do to start to rectify a lot of the problems that we're seeing right now? 
Well, uh, the first thing is I would clean up the top uh, four or five positions, um, reevaluate them, re-interview them, find out exactly what their role was in the uh, in the fake Russian uh, hoax thing, as well as this here. Um, uh, it won't be hard to find out who's involved in this and trace it back and and uh, do some disciplinary action or even get them fired. Uh, and revamp the supervisory's positions, uh, play a game of musical chairs, move them around, and uh, and then see what happens uh, from that. But the main thing is, who do you trust at DOJ now? Mm. If DOJ isn't cleaned up, mm. it ain't going to do the clean the bureau up either. And uh, so both agencies need to be cleaned up from the top, and, uh, and uh, we got some good candidates out there that could uh, clean house. But right now, it looks more like a political thing to me. I mean, you go to the New York Times, and they're not a conservative paper. And uh, they're the ones that leaked that uh, Biden want Trump prosecuted. Uh, from uh, He was expressing it to his close aides. And, and the New York Times uh, leaked it. And so New York Times wouldn't have leaked it unless they had some sources close to the president where he wanted to uh, prosecute Trump. Absolutely. Bob, thanks so much for spending time with us today, taking the time to analyze that for us. And uh, as always, we appreciate your perspective and uh, look forward to talking to you in the not too, not too distant future. Again, retired FBI agent Bob McClinsky. Bob, thanks so much for visiting with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, my friends. Uh, again, our thanks to retired FBI agent Bob DeKlinski. Let's open up the phones. A lot to react to today. 209-551-3483. We're going to go to the phones right now. Uh, Jewel. Uh, Jewel was at the uh, Straight Pride event on Saturday. Jewel, what are your what are your uh, thoughts and perspectives about what happened on Saturday? Hi there. This is Jewel. So I actually live in um, the city of L.A., um, I am friends with Melinda Mason, the organizer for the Straight Pride Coalition, as well as Dr. Don. Um, the event was supposed to happen at noon. We were told by the officers there, actually, Melinda received several phone calls and updates uh, indicating that um, Antifa and uh, the LGBT community um, has shown up in uh, great numbers. Uh, to the point where they became super aggressive against the police. Um, we never even showed up to Planned Parenthood. We never even set foot. So the fact that everybody's kind of um, twisting this around and saying we're the ones, we never even showed up. Um, they declared a lawful uh, assembly to where anybody that tried to stay or even try to even cross the street. They had to block McHenry. The, I don't even know how many blocks uh, were actually blocked with um, tractor trailers and police vehicles. They disassembled um, the crowd that was already there, which was the LGBT community as well as Antifa BLM members. Um, they would not leave. Um, and so, I mean, I, I'm seeing, I'm letting, I'm telling you, what I saw because I did drive by because that's where we were supposed to meet at noon. So I did see the blocked streets. I did see the hundreds of people that were all in rainbow color, the green hats, the 
all the ugly posters. Uh, I did see smoke. I'm not sure what the smoke was, uh, where it came from, Um, as well as, um, obviously, I heard from my friend personally who was there, um, and he told me that um, his friend got arrested simply for wanting to actually be there to protest. He was on our side. So he was one that I know for a fact that was on our side who also happened to be there at the same time that I got there. I, uh, I never got to even get out of my car because the street was already blocked off. Um, so, but in any case, we still protested. However, we went to another abortion mill, um, which not everybody was aware about, you know, because of all the commotion and the street blockage. And, you know, we weren't allowed to really meet anywhere close to Planned Parenthood because people were getting arrested for simply walking towards Planned Parenthood. All right, so you've you've verified exactly uh, what Melinda told us that uh, the the group as a group, uh, the uh, straight pride mm-hmm. group was not there. That the violence occurred, and and this uh, has been missing as far as I've seen from uh, most media accounts. And I've watched several of the videos, yes. Jewel, and 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 you see uh, things being thrown, uh, uh, an umbrella or two, which weren't supposed yeah. to be there at all. Uh, I, it looks like there was a bush on fire and it talked about, uh, the, uh, non-lethal ways that, uh, the sheriff's department or the police department, uh, attempted to disperse the crowd. Uh, it's amazing to me that nobody picked up on the fact that you as a group weren't there. That's astounding to me. Well, Correct. Maybe Correct. not, as we consider, you know, the and regardless of what people may think in support of or not support of your group, this is a First Amendment opportunity, a peaceful gathering, Correct. and the opposition decided to uh, make it into a violent uh, episode. Uh, so before we let you go, uh, go, Jewel, since uh, you're, you're calling from Los Angeles, anything else to add? Any other uh, yeah. other observations that you had? Well, I mean, we did try our best to stay in contact with the sheriff and the officers there. Um, They had mentioned to us that they would disperse, obviously, you know, the crowd that was already had had already gathered there because we did let them know ahead of time we would be there to do our thing, which they gladly were there. You know, not that they were there for just, you know, to be there for our side. They're obviously there to protect everybody. But they, we were told that they were going to have them go to the other side and then give us a space so that we can be there and we could both sides obviously exercise our First Amendment. But that never happened. And the fact that how the story has developed simply saying that, oh, yeah, this is our event and this is how ugly it gets. It's like, well, we actually wanted to be there, but because of how the left acted, um, unfortunately, there was nobody that could even approach that place. Um, you know, both sides, somebody from both sides got arrested, basically. It didn't matter who was there or who um, was able to, to, to try to exercise, you know, 
the the right to speak, the right to assemble. Right, Jewel, I've I've um, got to run. Uh, so, we, yeah. We've hit a mark here. I've got to hit. Uh, but thank you so much for taking time to call in. We really appreciate that. Jewel from Los Angeles uh, was there. Uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, we appreciate that very much. More coming up on the Mike Douglas Show in five minutes, 209-551-3483. We'll be back after news, weather, and traffic. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation. A lot of conversation about what's happened over the past couple of days. Our telephone number here, 209-551-3483. We've uh, received uh, what I believe to be some new information about the violence at the uh, straight pride or the scheduled straight pride uh, rally uh, in front of Planned Parenthood in Modesto on McHenry Avenue on Saturday. Uh, Three people were arrested and uh, police had to use non-lethal means of dispersing the crowd. Uh, I, again, the the media reports led me to believe one thing, and I'm so glad that we uh, had both uh, Melinda and Jewel call in. And, and again, regardless of whether you support the, uh, the tactics, the, uh, the methodologies of the straight pride uh, folks or not, the issue is the First Amendment rights, the, the right to free speech. And it's very clear by reading uh, the tweets from Antifa in Sacramento that the intent was to shut down the First Amendment rights of uh, someone that they opposed, uh, which is counter to what we believe here in terms of constitutional rights in America. Let me just give you a an example. This was, a, uh, I think, from KCRA News on their website. They say a couple of fights broke out between those protesting and counter-protesting. Around 11 a.m., police declared it an unlawful assembly uh, authorities told KCRA three authorities said someone lit a nearby shrub on fire. Well, we have two people there who were on site that said it was not a case that a couple of fights broke out between those protesting and the counter-protesters. Uh, from those who have called in today, it appears that it was the um, those opposing, opposing the straight pride group uh, Possibly Antifa members, since Antifa had uh, encouraged people to uh, to be there, that they were the ones responsible for the uh, the dust up over there and the violence that occurred. Now, in fairness, let me go back to the Modesto B report, and in there, oh, a couple paragraphs down, it said uh, counter protesters started throwing water bottles in retaliation. A blast went off and a firework ballooned from the street in Red Streaks. Modesto Police Department spokeswoman Sharon Bear could not confirm the order of events Saturday afternoon, but noted, and here we go, that the demonstrators were not part of the official straight pride rally because that was planned for noon. 
All right, so I want to go back and uh, make uh, a correction there. I said I did not see any indication in this particular story uh, of the fact that straight pride was not even there at the time. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, say it would appear from that quote from Sharon Bear that was reported by the B that uh, they, they did make that statement that demonstrators were not part of the official straight pride rally because that was planned for noon. Uh, so I want to make sure we uh, we offered that clarification there. Nonetheless, uh, a lot of issues involved here. I uh, Let me say this. I believe in First Amendment rights whether I agree with people or not. I agree that people have the right to voice their opinions without fear of violence. And Antifa not only pushes the limits, but it goes over the limits. And that was clearly uh, clearly the case here. Now, w- would I choose to make my point um, the way straight pride does? Probably not. But that's a, that's a difference in opinion on approach. Uh, that's a difference of opinion on strategy. And so I, I, the, to, to me, though, that's irrelevant. What we're talking about are First Amendment rights. And we gave uh, Melinda, the, the organizer, the opportunity to give some history, which I'm glad she did, give her perspective there. So, uh, again, if any of, of you were nearby or saw what happened or were part of what happened there on Saturday, love to hear from you, too. Our number, 209-551-3483. We've also uh, heard from Leandra Blades, a very bold and brave uh, lady down in Southern California who created change on her school board. She decided she was she had had it with uh, the school board and uh, the teachers in the classroom uh, teaching about their views on uh, on social justice and on political issues rather than the basics of what she would like to be taught. Uh, Leandra ran for the school board, got a seat on the school board, uh, was willing to listen to people, sit down and meet with them, listen to their perspectives. And because of her approach, uh, eventually uh, she was able to uh, to to affect change, and the school board voted not to have some of those perspectives taught in the classrooms. So, uh, again, a, a wonderful, in my opinion, a wonderful way to approach that and, and a reason for us never to become discouraged in doing good, uh, to stand for what we believe and to be willing to take the slings and arrows that come along with that. Uh, what's that old phrase, no good deed goes unpunished? Well, yeah, that's right, uh, because it, it, to me, it's not only a battle of different perspectives politically. I'll put on my pastor's hat here for a second. I also believe it's a spiritual battle as well, and that brings in uh, dimensions that uh, a lot of the times we, we can't control, but we can control our responses to them. And then we've also been talking about the... <laughs> the affidavit used uh, as support uh, to the warrant that was served at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, appreciate uh, retired FBI agent Bob Deklinski calling in. If you had a chance to look at the affidavit over the weekend, I'd be interested in your comments. 
Again, my summary reaction, I really didn't learn anything groundbreaking or new. I still have questions that are unanswered. And I don't think with, again, these are my calculations based upon the pages that were blacked out and redacted. Uh, I, I counted up roughly 67% of those pages were either partially or fully redacted. <laughs> and so I, I think of the Justice Department is, is looking to be uh, very transparent and to uh, gain some credibility with the public. That didn't happen with me. Uh, did it happen with you? Did that redacted version of the affidavit, did that help you understand what was happening in terms of, of the facts, solely on the facts? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. And as uh, we are want to remind you every day here on the Mike Douglas Show, we have a countdown to November 8, 2022. I believe that is going to be a milestone election, both for California and the nation. For California, I think neither for California nor for the nation will it be a light switch, uh, like an on and off switch, but it's going to be uh, a primary step uh, towards dealing with some of the, I think, anti-American, anti-Constitution, anti-Bill of Rights, anti-Declaration of uh, Independence, anti-Judeo-Christian ethic efforts that are going on today in America. And they, they are, I believe, if left unchecked, going to destroy the country, the nation as we know it. And uh, so I believe that this next election, uh, the midterms in November 8, 2022, are very important. November 8 is 71 days away, 71 days for us to gather information, to mull it over, to discuss it with each other, to look at all angles, to do the research we need to do to make an informed vote on November 8. And again, I don't ever tell you how to vote. I'm only here to offer as much information as I can. As, and as we get closer uh, closer to November 8, we'll be talking about some of the propositions that are going to be on the ballot, as well as monitoring some of the uh, elections as well that are flowing from the primaries that we had back in June. So what else is going on in our world? Well, <laughs> the Freedom to Walk Act. Did you know that we have, <coughs> excuse me, a Freedom to Walk Act? Yeah, that was approved by the California Assembly last week. It's now on Governor Newsom's desk. This bill was authored by Assembly Member Phil Ting, and it would prevent police from stopping jaywalkers except in certain situations. Now, last year, a similar bill was authored by Assemblyman Ting, uh, but Governor Newsom did uh, did not sign it. In fact, he vetoed it. Now uh, the governor has until September 30th to sign or veto the Freedom to Walk Act. Now, if it's approved, it would take place in January. Now you may say, now, Mike, what's the big deal about jaywalking? It's a big deal, and I speak here as a former law enforcement officer, 
it's a big deal because the laws for jaywalking are there to protect people. Jaywalking is a dangerous business, except especially with a lot the lack of driving acumen today. It's nuts out there. Uh, even today, as I drove my uh, wife to and from a uh, an appointment with a mechanic to uh, take a look at her car today. And I'm telling you, the things I see are, are just absolutely mind-blowing. And for people to jaywalk, not only does it put them in danger, but it puts other drivers in danger trying to dodge the jaywalkers. And, and, uh, and to say we need to do away with that, I think that's a very, I think it's a very foolish thing. All right, uh, we'll be back to the phones. Take your phone calls, 209-551-3483. Coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the Valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Our phone number, 209 551 Three four eight three. Our phones are open, and on the phone with us is uh, Don from the Bay Area. And uh, Don was uh, one of the organizers of the Straight Pride event that uh, occurred on Saturday. The one that uh, apparently was hijacked by Antifa. Uh, Don, thank you for calling. Uh, give us your perspective on what went down on Saturday. Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak to you. We. Traditionally, we have our straight pride of infant of Planned Parenthood to protest their genocide against the black community, which can be found at blackgenocide.org. But uh, last year, we were occupying the street in front of uh, Planned Parenthood directly. And then when I drove by earlier th- that morning, it had already been occupied by our opponents who were trying to essentially block us from being there. And then when I went back, we had our events planned from 12 to 2. And when we were trying to get there, it was blocked off by the police. And we found that they had already attacked some of our people who were there. And they declared it an unlawful assembly. So we had to go to the other Planned Parenthood killing facility on Coffee Road in Modesto. So we had a plan B. Now, Don, what what we've been told is that your group was not actually there when the violence started. Is that correct? Well, yeah, our main group was not there. Yes, we couldn't even get there because of the blockage by the police. And so there might have been apparently a couple of supporters of us uh, who were there. I don't know yet how many they were, but even those a few supporters were attacked by the people who were there and who were quite prepared to. I, I believe they had smoke grenades. I was told they had Molotov cocktails. I haven't confirmed that, but they the violence is always directed at us. And we have to defend ourselves from the attacks. Now, that, that's an interesting observation. And let me just ask this. I'm not being critical. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. Sure. You've been through this a couple of years now. And uh, the, there's always a, a dust-up. Uh, why return again knowing that groups like this are are going to possibly be violent? Uh, do you... Have you considered other ways to do this, or, or do you feel that that's a calling that, that you need to stand your ground and, and make a statement? Well, yes, it, it's a calling, and that's all the more reason. The reason they're violent is they're is trying to shut down our message and protect Planned Parenthood and their genocide. So 
if we don't stand up against this genocidal attack against the black community, who else will? And that's what they're relying on is to intimidate people so they shut us up, which is never going to happen. So we, we continue on despite the violence and their attacks against us. Okay, fair fair answer to the question, Don. We thank you for that. Uh, now, are you are you involved in other uh, other demons or other uh, demonstrations elsewhere in the in the state or or just here in the Modesto area? Well, uh, we do have a possibility of the first Los Angeles Straight Pride event coming up. We're still working on that, and I'm chairman of the Constitution Party in California, so we have. A number of associated events on these and many other issues throughout the state that we're developing. Okay, a last question for you, Don, and I do appreciate you calling in. Thank you for that. Uh, j- just, I- I'm a- making an assumption here, and uh, I-, I know the the rule is never assume anything. So let me clarify it with you. Did right. did, did your meeting uh, or your, your gathering did that require a permit from the city in advance? Well, it may or may not require a permit. I'm really unsure because the first time we had it, now four years ago, we actually had 99% of the paperwork through, uh, ready to go through a meeting in Grisada Park in Modesto. And one of our opponents, uh, who labeled us racist for all things, even though we opposed the racism of Planned Parenthood, they spoke privately with the insurance company who canceled the event and said the excuse for the city was, oh, you can't do it because there's no insurance. So we haven't sought a permit since then, and we just coincidentally all meet at that spot uh, when we have our events. All right, so uh, so there was no permit that was pulled, but uh, I'm assuming that what happened was law enforcement, ba- based upon past history, figured knew that, and you obviously probably let them know you're going to be there, knew that there might be some opposition, and that's probably why law enforcement was ready. And, and am I right in that? Yes, uh, law enforcement has always been aware that we've always been attacked every time. And apparently law enforcement got the word that there was going to be a bigger attack this time. So we thank the police for their protection. They're they're working to stop the violence against us, which is always there. And so the police are doing a wonderful job to protect us and our ability to to express our opinions, as we should be able to in this country. We we shouldn't be shut down by intimidation, but our opponents are always counting on that. But that will never happen. Well, I agree with you about that, Don. Anyone who is exercising their First Amendment rights, whether individually or as a group, ought not in this nation to be threatened by violence. And Antifa has uh, has a, a great record for that. Don, I appreciate you calling in and, and providing those uh, transparent answers to our questions here. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate your time today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to speak to you. Thank you. All right, Don, thank you very much. Uh, again, Don, one of the organizers of that Straight Pride event on uh, on Saturday that really appears to have gone sideways before the event even was going to begin. Uh, the event was scheduled uh, to be at 12 noon, and according to earlier folks that called in as early as 9 o'clock, apparently... Uh, Antifa and perhaps some other organizations were there to make sure they occupied the space uh, that the straight pride people were going to occupy. And uh, violence did ensue. I don't know if you've taken a look at the at the videos or not. Uh, knowing what you know now, uh, knowing the ban on things like uh, umbrellas and such by the city of Modesto, 
I, you might take a look at it. it. It's it's very interesting to watch with the information that we have uh, that we have gathered today. Uh, here's another not so good thing: San Francisco Fire Department. Uh, an ambulance got taken out of circulation, and two paramedics were attacked in the process. Uh, I believe it was this morning, uh, just before 7 a.m. Uh, two uh, two people manning the ambulance were parked uh, on Harrison Street when a man started yelling and smashing the windows of the ambulance. And the man, who was described as being in his 40s, used a tree stake in an attempt to get the paramedics. All right? I think we ought to have red flag laws for tree stakes. What do you think? All right, Ed Parco coming up. Thanks for joining me today. I'll see you tomorrow at 3 to 5 here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Have a great evening.